last five outings, he has thrown one two-seam fastball. <laughs> Just one. Just for and fun. <laughs> If I could wait till the end of the year to tell you exactly what happened, my job would be so much easier. Oh my god, it worked properly. Well, I still have to play more noise later, so maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 56, where we ask the eternal question, what team do the Toronto Blue Jays play for? I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Josh Housem. Josh, how you feeling? <laughs> hmm. Better <laughs> yeah, than... I'm not answering this question anymore. <laughs> better than a third of the roster of the... <laughs> The opening day roster for the Blue Jays. Uh, All right, so we're going to talk about uh, a team that actually hasn't had a horrible week. That's about the best I could say about winning at the Trop, about Russell Martin getting injured. We have late-breaking Kendris Morales injury news, which by the time you listen to this might not be quite so late-breaking. We've got a Roberto Osuna playing well. Uh, Matt Latos heading back to AAA. Some new people in the rotation including a former guest on our podcast and uh, also an interview with Mike Petriello of MLB.com talking about StatCast. We also have your questions and a couple people have finally stepped up and decided to try and stump the Josh. Shall we begin with the record of the week? Uh, Three and two officially as we start recording. Yeah. And it's not looking like they're going to finish above 500 for the week because they're losing with their, uh, is it a triple A lineup? I mean, is, I, I maybe it's like a middle of spring training lineup. I don't know what to call this. I don't know who these people are. Like, seriously, I'm looking going, Olman? Ol- is it Olman or is it Olman? Or it's like, Olman. Just Olman. So Bolsinger's pitching to Olman, a catcher who he's obviously familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> Having both been on the same team for the past month. <laughs> no, no, but just for fun, I'm going to read out the starting lineup to this uh-huh. game, which they're, the Jays are losing 3 nothing, and they, there's not much sign of comeback, especially against their bunch of to Andrew Miller and Cody Allen, and that'll be the end of it. Pilar, Carrera, Bautista, Morales, Smoke, Goins in the sixth hole, Barney, <laughs> Coglin, and Ullman. That's spring training lineup. Well, yeah, uh, the road lineup for the spring training game. It's uh, <laughs> you bring three I made regulars that joke on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> shows you how much I've been following Twitter tonight that I would steal your material without even realizing it. Um, so yeah, congratulations to all those guys on making the bigs. <laughs> I think is is the really important <laughs> part. <laughs> um, they did manage to win two out of three at the Trop, so I, I like that. That's Two series in a row, they've won two out of three against Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, I believe that's the only two series they've won all year. That is correct, which just shows how backwards this season has been. Yeah, because that would be like the last place you would expect them to win two series. Unfortunately, it it has not helped because the Blue Jays are still... How many games under five hundred? I was just looking at that. In, I believe. Uh, well, they'll be 12 and 21. So they're only nine games under 500. So we're going to go another week without that discussion of where the Jays are at. According to my, you must be at 500 before we have that discussion rule. So theoretically, we could just never have this discussion. <laughs> if they never get to 500, there's really no point in talking about playoffs and whether the team should sell or not. It's going to be pretty bloody obvious, isn't it? <laughs> okay. okay. Yep. Uh, but you, yeah, you would at least hope that I could... I could worry about the discussion next week, but I don't have to. I don't even have to have my talking points ready because they can't be there. The big blow this week, I think, was probably Russell Martin. Yeah, with a a nerve issue. Yeah, a strange injury, really, that you... He hasn't dealt with before, I guess, is, is the headline I've read. Yeah, exactly. He and... He's and he said he's been feeling it since the spring, actually, but that he re-aggravated it when he got run into by Lindor. Stupid Lindor. 
though he he can't feel his fingers properly that's obviously going to affect a lot of things maybe it wasn't the run. i should think it might have been the tampa series uh tim beckham but uh yeah that's bad uh, because obviously that that's not something that we know anything about the recovery time on, right? Yeah, I mean, the way he was talking about it, it sounds like he expects to be back after the minimum stay on the DL, but remember when they were saying, like, they don't even know that Tool Whiskey probably wouldn't have gone on the DL if he hadn't been the 10-day DL? Uh, uh, when was when did they say that exactly? When when was uh, Tool Whiskey last in the lineup? Do we even know? more than 10 days ago yeah it's (laughs) been long enough so he's gonna have another friend with our late breaking news uh kendris morales left tonight's game probably just because he was looking around and it was pretty depressing but also because his (laughs) hamstring tightened up (laughs) okay so this is the same thing happened to the whiskey the hamstring tightness if he has to go on the dl here's the question for you if you took the DL team and filled it with players from AAA or the Major League team, who would win a best of seven? Ooh, that that is a tough question. If you took you took the DL team and and made them healthy again, yeah, and then pitted them against who was left, like you pitted against the active roster. Oh well, I I think that that in a seven game series, you you could definitely make a case for the DL team in this case. Because yeah, it's just you're at, you're adding Dalton Pompey, so you have a center fielder too, and you got Sanchez and Hap, and I mean mm-hmm. a lot of teams. Well, who's your who's your third starter on the DL team? I guess you you backfill them with Latos. Yeah, Latos. <laughs> uh, I don't know who's after that. <laughs> but you don't you don't really need four need starters in a seven game series. You don't need four. You could true, push true. Hap. In this mythical <laughs> series to decide what, I have no idea. Um, the yeah. fact that this is a discussion is really bad. Yeah, no kidding. Probably if, if Morales hits the DL, your marquee player is, is currently the current incarnation of Kevin Pilar or uh, Jose Bautista if he remembers he's Jose Bautista. Yeah. With your That's starting bad. rotation of Stroman, Liriano. Well, be a genie. My God, you forgot him again. Yeah, you want me to talk about Marco Estrada? <laughs> You're just naming off the rotation. You can at least use his name. <laughs> uh, I was going in order of awesomeness. <laughs> you take that back. Crumble, crumble, crumble. <laughs> uh, okay, so the one thing that that team of injured people would not have is uh, is a closer. Which the Blue Jays actually seem to all of a sudden have again after a couple of little hiccups. Roberto Osuna, now is he throwing as hard as Roberto Osuna is quote unquote supposed to? No, not quite. Um, he, well, what he has been doing, which is this is the big difference for him, is that he's, we talked about this actually on the podcast. He's like, he's doing this ridiculous thing where he's throwing all these two seamers. He has stopped doing that. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he last blew a save on the 27th, which actually he didn't throw any two seamers in that one, but that was when he gave up the home run. But With two since then, he has basically stopped throwing it. Just gone back to heavy, heavy, heavy four seamer and mixing in his slider and the occasional changeup, which is the way he's dominated for two years. <laughs> I have no idea why he changed it. Uh, we probably never will, right? but I mean, you can always, you, we could speculate all day on whether it hurt or whether he thought he was being smarter about it or whether he was trying to, you know, well, he, yeah, he spoke to, I can't remember. I think it might've been John Lott, but I don't want to say that for sure, but basically said the same thing. It's like, oh no, it was, it was national post. So it wasn't Lott, but that, uh, he's, he wanted to, you know, try to improve his repertoire. I just don't know why they let him do it. It's like. Yeah, this pitch isn't going to help you. <laughs> and clearly it didn't. Yeah, you have many, many other uh, successes under your belt not using them. Until they adjust, forget it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's kind of a good way to do things. So in his last five outings, he has thrown one two-seam fastball. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Just for and fun. 
Yeah, just, just, just like, hey, it's still there, <laughs> just to mess with us. And he's got nine strikeouts, and he's given up three base runners. And that's what we want to hear. So if yeah. the Blue Jays get to the ninth with the lead, we don't feel so bad anymore. We feel like that might be a good thing to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, was I can't even remember what the games were this week. I, I must confess, my, my following with bated breath every single game is... is <laughs> It's not where it was the last two years. <laughs> Gee, why could that be? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe Matt Latos. But we don't have to look at him right now. Because he, after looking good for one start, he, he pretty much stunk up the joint in his final outing. And the Jays DFA'd him. And he did not elect free agency. I'm not surprised by that, honestly. I mean, think about it. If you're Matt Latos, the odds of you getting a major league gig right now aren't that good. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at this team. It's like, okay, that guy's injured. That guy's injured. <laughs> that guy's injured. I might get another shot at this. Yeah. And and you knew they were willing to give you a shot at least once. And you did demonstrate that you could still get people out on, on some terms, on certain teams. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I, I could see why he, he would do that. It's just it's usually interesting when you hear the words DFA and it's a veteran player. Not often do you see that veteran player get all the way back to the, the minor league club. Um, but again, you're right. He's he's probably got a better shot here than, than other places. So yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure whose slot Biagini took in the rotation officially. Technically, he took Casey Lawrence's spot. Right. Uh, but I, he certainly seems a better bet than Casey Lawrence to stick and do well in the rotation. And you, you wrote a piece on, on how he avoided those, those first time reliever to starter pitfalls. Yeah. I mean, typically when relievers go to the rotation, they see a, at least maybe not drastic, but a noticeable decline in their stuff. And that didn't happen with him. His velocity on his fastball fell a little bit, but it was within the normal range for his fluctuation from outing to outing. And his other pitches were just as hard or harder, and the movement was just as good. So, I mean, that was about as good an outing in terms of results and process that you could have hoped for from him. He threw 52 pitches, and, you know, he got through four innings. And it was really encouraging for his, not just the short-term, but the long-term viability of him as a starter. And so we would expect him to try and stretch out to, like, 75 pitches for the next outing as he works his way into full-time starting duties if if required yeah i think that's the way it's going to play out well i mean i should say i think that i can't guarantee it who who knows i mean but the way the guy we're going to talk about shortly through and with sanchez apparently coming back potentially for his next start again um <laughs> you know it, they might they might decide that their their need for him is greater in the bullpen which i don't really see that because they have you know the seventh eighth ninth with uh, Danny Barnes, Joe Smith, and Roberto Osuna is kind of locked down. So I think starting is where he's going to stay until everyone's healthy. So if you folks are remember our last podcast, um, we talked about stuff. If you don't, go back and listen again to our interview with Dr. Mike Sun, who reminds you what, what the official uh, sort of stuff statistic is about. Joe Biagini would have the second best stuff of any Blue Jays starter only behind Aaron Sanchez. Yeah. And... Last year, he he would have been even ahead of him, and that's pretty darn good. And uh, so I, I actually, you know, mentioned that, and then Mike re- replied to it, and he said that his stuff actually went up sl- very very slightly from one start to the next. <laughs> we'll take it. If we're sort of relieving to his first start, so right. I mean, he was a starter in the minors, so I think he probably this is. I've argued this in the past. And I'm sure we've talked about this in the past that this is where his future should be. Yes, he's got a lot of value to a team as a starter. Absolutely. I've, I've well acquainted with those discussions. Yeah, and um, especially one that has pending free agents in their rotation. Uh, yeah. So, hey, no time like the present while you're nine games below 500 to figure out if he can actually do this starting thing. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of starters, of course, we do have the other slot in the starting rotation that needs to be filled because there is still no J-Hap. Um, we have previous podcast guest uh mike bolsinger stepped up tonight and i would say that i if i hear anybody complaining 
I'm going to slap him right through Twitter uh, about his start because there's nothing wrong with two runs over five and two thirds. Yeah, against a really, really good hitting team in Cleveland. Um, you know, he had a little bit of a control issue. I mean, he walked four guys and two. He walked the first two guys in the second inning. And they both scored. Those are the two runs. But he did a really good job of mixing and matching curveballs, cutters. Uh, looks like something like a little like a slider or something like that. And up and down and just really keeping some really good hitters off balance the entire outing. Yeah, there, there were a lot of soft ground balls um, that I saw. Uh, and, and that's it's tough to get consistent weak contact. So good on him. You know, I, I hope he can he can come back and, and do it next turn around if, that, if that's what it comes to. But uh, yeah, I would say a very solid first start. Yeah, and even if he doesn't make another one, if you know if Aaron Sanchez does actually return and you know last more than <laughs> an inning this time, I could see this being the situation where they keep uh, Mike Bolsinger around this time as a long reliever. I mean, guys, I mean JP Howell has just been an absolute disaster. He failed again today. Which mm-hmm. brings his ERA up to it's Oh no, it's down to nine. It's down say, to nine. Okay. Right on nine. That's good. Yeah. He and Grilly both have ERAs of nine. And well, I, I you know, think maybe that second name you mentioned is is the real person who might be the disaster. I think it is too. Yeah, that has to go. And I I, I mean, once they sell out of grilled cheeses at that stand, I think their investment in Grilly is <laughs> <laughs> pretty much tapped out uh or do we do we have to wait do we, i'm sorry do we have to wait for the apron giveaway before they dfa him is that in bad yeah. form it'd be really funny if it wasn't like if he was gone and like oh we're still gonna do it i, I can imagine it, it, the the lineup would be shorter for some reason after that <laughs> yeah no no one showing up at 8 a.m for these for these aprons <laughs> for the guy that got cut <laughs> Uh, we love you, Jason Grilly. You were awesome last year. And I really, you know, I, I think maybe it's just you're 40-ish uh, or plus. And uh, things may have caught up with you. But that doesn't, I I respect you. I still do. I don't want you to think we're making fun of you. But the situation is a bit ironic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the the you know the sadist i guess in me wants to see that happen (laughs) oh my goodness we better not end the first part of the the uh podcast on that note do we have any other player notes anything else going on oh yeah kevin pilar how did i not copy over the kevin pilar catch into my list of things because it was just memorable enough that you didn't need to clearly holy crap kevin pilar that's what i gotta say about that uh that was amazing running away from the home plate very close to the warning track and no regard for anything but i need to get the ball and it was a game-saving play too i mean it was first and third two outs in a at the time four nothing game but that would have been a two-run double for sure if he doesn't come down with it Mm -hmm. oh absolutely and and marcus stroman's face said everything you need to see you don't you can watch the (laughs) the pilar play once but to understand how important it was stroman's face tells you everything because you could see him scheming about all right when this bounces where do i have to go what base am i going to cover uh where's you know where are the runners going to and then all of a sudden it's just pure amazement as his eyes widen like saucers (laughs) His arms go up. <laughs> well, his arms were already up, like uh, uh, over his head. Like, oh no, it's going to be a three-run double, a two-run double. Like, oh my god, he got it! <laughs> uh, also, Pilar's strut after coming up off the turf there uh, would have only been improved if he was bleeding from somewhere and not noticing it. Because he earned that one though. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. I'm Superman. <laughs> <laughs> they played they, they play the Superman music over on the, at the stadium. <laughs> As well, they should have. Um, so shout out to the Cleveland. This is put together by James and T.O. on Twitter. Um, James put together all the calls. Shout out to the Cleveland radio guy whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, who did a fantastic call and was just as blown away by that catch as we were. <laughs> and didn't hide it just because he's the cleveland guy uh also (laughs) shout out to mike wilner who accurately described what the heck was going on despite all of his excitement um which 
doesn't always happen on a catch over the radio. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Tom Hamilton, by the way, is the name of the, the one yeah. you're talking about. But uh, it was, I mean, the, say we all about Mike Wilder and his play calling style, which is, can be a bit fanny at times. In moment like, moments like that, that's kind of what you want. Yeah, I, I, I said, you know, Joe Siddle's delivery, and I understand Joe Siddle is not a professionally trained play-by-play man, um, is about as flat and robotic as it could possibly get. <laughs> So I was really happy that Wilner called that in terms of uh, all the people who got to hear it that way. Because he, his level of excitement, yeah, right, is, is what you need injected into that moment just to, to bring across just how fantastic that play was. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, among Kevin Pillar catches, uh, you know, there's enough greatness there to begin with. Yeah. Where does this rank for you? I mean, I've got it in my at least at at worst in the top three, but I, I, it's it's a contender for number one. Um, so we have we have going up the wall, which has to still be number one. I don't have that number one. No, what do you have as number one? To me, the other one that's contender for number one is that catch in Tampa when Burley was pitching in like last game of 2015. Or the or or the really pitched twice in that series, yeah. whichever one in one of those two games where he ran like eighty feet and dove going back into the gap like full horizontal. All right, so that's your number one. Number is number two going up the wall. Yeah, well, these are the three that are in the mix for number one. I actually don't know which one I have ahead of the others, but it's those three: one, two, three, in some order. Do we have a? I know there is another dead horizontal catch where. I believe it's it's not at the, the trop where he looks like he's completely stretched out, going not deep but going to his right or la- uh, to his right. I think there's probably a few of them. I mean, he's really good. Is there a really good? There is a really good coming in and diving catch, though. I I guess in context, it's it's tough. You have to go back and see what was going on in the game at the time. I think has part to do with it that I've forgotten. But he's just, he is fun to watch. Tons and tons of fun. Um, probably the most fun we've had all season. The only fun? All right, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, we are going to leave, we are going to come back with Mike Petriello of MLB.com, and we're going to learn about what goes in to StatCast, which is a topic that has fascinated me ever since StatCast was announced like three years ago. And I would like to welcome to the program first-time guest Mike Petriello from MLB.com. He is one of the minds behind StatCast, uh, which has been endlessly fascinating for the past couple seasons to me. So I'm glad to finally have you on. Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, Mike. Hi, Greg. How are you? I am fantastic. So uh, after going back and forth a little bit, we finally got you on the show. Um, I, I think... A lot of people have heard StatCast because it shows up everywhere on on all kinds of team broadcasts and the national broadcasts. But if someone's not familiar about what goes to make up those those numbers, I know people know it has cameras in it, it has radar in it. Just generally speaking, what is the setup to get this StatCast info? Yeah, it's a good question. So at each of the 30 major league ballparks, there is a combination of a radar system and a optical camera system. So the cameras are down the uh, the left field line in most parks, and the radar is directly behind home plate, usually on the club level. And the combination of those two things tracks just about everything on the field. So the combination of uh, how fast the fielders are running and where the fielders are positioned and the spin and velocity of the baseball, uh, both being pitched and both being hit. Combining all those things together really allows us to get to what StatCast really is. So, you know, at first it was really just measuring these things, how fast, how far, et cetera, et cetera. And now that we're into the third year, we've really learned a lot about what those things mean. And we're combining those into metrics. You know, exit velocity by itself is fantastic. Exit velocity combined with launch angle is actually much better. So that's where we are right now. And uh, that's the that's the high level overview of what the system is. So I, when we first talked about pitch FX, uh for batter and pitcher matchups really we were concerned with this little tunnels between the mound and home plate which seemed like a fairly simple thing to get some data out of because you're looking at at one moving object when we talk about trying to take the whole field in um 
and then trying to take it in for the whole game like you must have a massive amount of data how does this system know whether or not like a warm-up is going on or um you know whether a ball is foul or fair like how do you even start to parse that data yeah it's an it's an extremely complicated setup and not only that if you think about it all 30 parks they're not the same you know obviously the distance between the mound and, and home plate is the same and the bases are the same but the dimensions in the outfield are absolutely not the same so that's a, a whole nother thing that adds a, a layer of complexity to it. As far as what you're talking about, how does it know what's what? I mean, all of the measurements are done by uh, the technology, but you know, a lot of the uh, the direction is done by uh, humans, by stringers who sit in the press box who enter. You know, the, you know, you can track this, but it's just a warm up. Here's where the game actually starts. You know, this is the first batter of the inning. Uh, helping along with sometimes with some scoring decisions like we've seen some some weird plays like where the yankees put their first base their pitcher at first base so <laughs> some of that stuff still requires some human interaction because uh you know the system can get stuck on that uh and that's that's really how it will know you know this is uh this is a warm-up this is something to actually track and then from there uh all of that data it's as you said a massive amount of data uh, it goes, you know, not only to us here at MLB.com, but it also goes out in a raw form to each of the 30 teams. So we almost like to consider ourselves the 31st team. I mean, our job is to interface with the public, with broadcasters, and, and get fans the data in a way that they can use in an interesting way. But also the 30 teams have access to it, and uh, they all have their own ways of approaching it. And they are understandably not often interested in being very public about how they approach it because they think they can get a competitive advantage. But uh, yeah, you're not wrong. It's a massive data stream, really unlike anything we've seen before. So it's a lot of fun to be able to work with. Yeah, we're talking about terabytes of data every night coming through. And I'm just, my mind is kind of boggled. So you have a StatCast representative, or you said Stringer, at every ballpark every night to make sure sort of things don't come off the rails? Yeah, I mean, there's there's someone in the press box who is operating, you know, uh, I mean, they do multiple things, but a big part of it is... Uh, you know, making sure that everything is kind of aligned because everything can pretty easily come off the rails, as you say, if someone's not there kind of minding it because um, it, it's it's a pretty massive operation. And then especially not even at the ballpark, but on this end, just getting it into databases in a form that's uh, more easy to query. I mean, that was a big off-season project for us was kind of reworking the database to uh, make it a little easier to uh, not only to to do searches and stuff, but when we create a new metric, to do it not only going forward, but to do it retroactively. I mean, now that we have this data going back to 2015, we can invent new things now we haven't even thought of. And as long as that game was measured over the last couple of years, we can go back and see what that actually looked like in the past as well as going forward. So just one last sort of, how does it work? That's in bolts question. How many people are at StatCast Central uh, looking at that sort of thing about how to, how to devise a metric or how to, you know, look at a specific yeah. kind of data? That's that's a great question that's, I think, maybe more complicated than it seems because uh, there are a lot of people touching a lot of different things. Like, for example, the most public-facing people are probably myself uh, and Darren Willman, who runs a Baseball Savant, and then uh, Tom Tango, who you know, is obviously like a, a sabermetric kind of legend for inventing a whole bunch of stuff. And so as far as like the public-facing baseball stuff goes, it's, it's mainly the three of us, but it's really just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there are so many engineers i mean dozens upon dozens of people who are not necessarily public facing people or, or baseball specific people but are just really really good at the technology uh and they're managing the databases they're they're managing the hardware they're making sure that the connections between the ballparks and and home base here are working it's uh it's it's dozens of people for sure is there anything like this in any other sport at the moment that you know of um, that's a really good question. I think basketball does a pretty good job. I can't say I follow the other sports that well. I know football is getting there, but I, I tell you, I'm a little jealous of football because they don't do this in real time. I think they only report it at the end of the, the week or in some cases at the end of the season, <laughs> which, uh, if I could wait till the end of the year to tell you exactly what happened, my job would be so much easier than trying to do it in real time. Cause that's a massive undertaking. Uh, I think basketball is probably the best. They do a pretty good job of tracking like, where the players are in the court and all that. Um, but you know, baseball is is really very well positioned for this, just in the sense that baseball, many years before Statcast, has always been a sport about numbers, and it's it's nice to have that pitcher batter matchup because it's a very individual thing where you don't necessarily have to worry about, for example, the ten players on the court. Uh, you know, how are they interfacing with each other? It's nice that baseball kind of works this way. But I'm hopeful that not only do we have uh, the best tracking of the sports, I think we do probably the best job at getting it out there for fans to be able to use and play with. 
So you alluded to uh, earlier about as the data accumulates, you start to be able to look at, at data backwards through time retroactively. Um, what we've seen, you know, this year, we've seen the, the breaking down of ranking of catches into one, two, three, and four stars um, based on uh, a bunch of different factors. And then it simplifies into that, okay, that's a, you know, four-star catch. Um, and we, we talked a lot about barrels. I've written an article using some of those uh, where a barrel is... Is something that you can define now not just he really barreled the ball but he he did this or that with it um and was likely to get the result H- how do you start looking at the data uh do you sit down at a at a table or do you start an email chain with someone and say hey i was looking at this or that can we can we quantify it yeah it's a there's a couple of different ways i mean tom and tango and i work in the same office about 15 feet down the hall from one another so there's cool. a lot of time spent in person uh darren does not he's based in uh, houston he works from home so yeah email for sure but we also have slack which is both like the best and worst thing to happen to workplace productivity uh it's basically just like these giant chat rooms so every once in a while it, it, i guess it, it it works multiple ways right it might be me asking a baseball question and saying hey tom what do you think about this can you help me kind of come up with an interesting data way to show this or it might just be tom saying hey i ran this query check it out what do you guys think and i'll say wow that applies really well to you know team x or player y and then we'll we'll work from there not only how to you know quantify it from a data point of view but also how to put it into uh, sort of a narrative how to get it to a place where the uh, the common fan can understand it and hopefully the analytical fan can get some use out of it as well uh, one of the things uh you know of, of all these different measures we've seen that the you were talking about speed, running speed and such in miles per hour in the first year, and notably you've changed it to feet per second for, for reasons that do make a lot of sense. Um, just mentally, it's easier to picture a guy traveling feet, not miles on a baseball field. But I assume there's a lot of that sort of refinement that goes on. Is there something, is there a particular measure, new measure that you're really happy with? Or is there one that maybe you feel you've just not ready to roll out, but that you're you know still refining? Yeah, I think that's a good a good point. Certainly in the first year, I mean, all this stuff was so brand new, right? And uh, we didn't. Tom wasn't even on staff yet, so we were kind of um, figuring out what worked and what caught on and what didn't catch on. So exit velocity, for example, I think that caught on really quickly because it's very easy to understand. It's just how hard was the ball hit. It's on a scale I think people are relatively familiar with. And then you know some of the stuff we thought would be really cool and it didn't catch on so well, like route efficiency, for example. Uh, we thought that that would be really interesting. And what we realized pretty quickly was that even the worst major league outfielder, whoever you think that is, is still a major league outfielder. You know, he's still quite good at getting to a baseball. And what that means is there weren't a lot of like, you know, 20% route efficiency plays uh, where 100 would be the best. Even the worst guys would generally be like, you know, 89, 90%. And that just didn't end up being that interesting. So you're right, that and miles per hour, we ended up you know, diminishing those a little bit and trying to replace them with something a little more thoughtful because I certainly wouldn't say on day one we had all the answers, and I certainly wouldn't say in year three we have all the answers because I know that we don't. Um, but it's, it's an interesting process to see what works, not only in our opinion, but what we hear feedback from the fans, feedback from the broadcasters, feedback from the analytical community. Uh, so it's always going to be refined. I mean, I think we're always going to be trying to improve and, and trying to learn and trying to get better at it. Yeah, I, I remember talking to a couple of people and people were like, why do I care about exit velocity? I'm like, and why do I need it for every, you know, every contacted ball? And I'm like, well, you want the pitch velocity for every pitch, don't you? So <laughs> that's good. That's exactly what I say. People are like, why do I need to know how hard John Carlos Stanton hit the ball? And I'm like, well, why do you need to know how hard are all the Chapman threw the ball? Like, of course you want to know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, being able to, to include launch angle and, and stuff like that, I think does draw a better picture of how someone is, is hitting the ball, which is interesting. We weren't really, I, I don't think you could see any of these trends before, which is why StatCast fascinates me. Cause you can now, you know, you know, Giancarlo Stanton really does hit the ball harder than anybody else in baseball. Most of the time, um, which you, you couldn't say for sure prior, prior to that, that said, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, and I, and I hope, you know, we're only in year three. I hope to find out 15 years from now that John Carlos Stanton isn't just the best now. He's like the best ever. He's historically great. Obviously, we won't know that for a while, but I, I think that would be so cool to know, to be able to compare backwards as time goes on like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because baseball is usually about the history of a statistic and comparing things across eras in terms of, you know, RBIs or ERAs, those things fluctuate all the time based on how the league is doing something. But how hard you hit the ball seems more absolute to me. I think that's probably true. I, I 
think there are a certain um, extents to what the human body is capable of doing. So could someone come along and hits the ball harder than Giancarlo Stanton, you know, like maybe an Aaron judge or somebody? Sure. But I don't think that, you know, with Stanton topping out around 120, all of a sudden we're going to see guys hitting 130, 135. I mean, it just, it doesn't seem likely based on everything we know about physics and the players. Um, so it, it, it will be really cool to see, like, are we, did we get lucky enough not to just see a guy who was great at the time when we turned the system on, but to see a guy who's actually the greatest we, we may see for quite some time. I think that's going to be cool to see. So now in an in a interview where I specifically brought you on to talk about StatCast, I will ask the ironic question of uh, some people say StatCast comes up too often <laughs> right now uh, in the sense that it might take away from the drama or the energy of a moment. Maybe maybe something that we thought was spectacular is just poor root efficiency, as an example. What, what, how do you answer those critics? Well, I think it depends on what different people want out of the game. I mean, I don't even know if that's StatCast specific so much as some people don't want to go any further than RBIs. You know, they, they don't want to hear about wins above replacement. So I think that's a, a big divide just between, you know, the analytically inclined fan and maybe the common fan. Um, I do think with catch probability, we are cognizant of not trying to be a buzzkill. And you don't want to you don't want to tell someone who went to the park and saw a cool diving catch that actually that that play wasn't cool. And you were dumb for thinking it was cool. You know, like that doesn't that doesn't benefit anybody. I mean, it, it does, I think, from a from a like an overall analytical trying to rate defensive skill perspective. I mean, just because, you know, Jose Bautista makes a ton of diving catches, it doesn't mean he's a great outfielder if, you know, a faster guy gets to those balls more easily. So I do think there's value in that from a, uh, you know, a skills perspective. And I do think there's kind of the, the flip side of that is you see a guy, maybe a, a Kevin Pillar, for example, who makes a nice running catch and didn't dive, didn't lay out for it. You might not think anything of it. It might not show up on highlight shows, but maybe he got there so quickly and so perfectly that you can actually say, hold on a minute. I know he didn't dive, but that ball's only caught 10% of the time. Half the guys who make that catch dive for it. The other half of the league doesn't even come close to it. And so you can actually give him credit for something that the eye test didn't tell you. So I do think there's value in that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I certainly don't want to get in the business of telling people that things they think are cool, aren't cool. I mean, you want to go to the game and have a good time and you know, it's kind of the same thing as all the other advanced stats. If you're interested in it, seek it out and, and get use out of it. And if you're not, then that's great too. Everybody's free to consume the game uh, in the way they might like, even if it's not the same way I do. All right. So is there anything we should be watching for on Baseball Savant or on the StatCast website that you've got in the uh, in the hopper, so to speak, ready to ready to roll out? Or are you you're going to keep that tight to your chest? Well, I mean, just last week or two weeks ago, we, we Darren put out a pretty big update to the site. So you can now get for the first time ever uh, defensive depth rankings. Um, I think there was actually a Blue Jays fan who just asked me last night about how deep Kevin Pillar was playing, and I, I pointed him to that, and I think the answer was he's playing. Um, I don't know, seven or eight feet deeper or whatever it was. So that's never been publicly available before. And, and that's a good example of something that even though we introduced it last week, you can get that retroactively back to 2015 when we first put the data on there. So that's out there. That's free for uh, for all defensive positions. And I think that's really cool uh, and useful. We also rolled out uh, some stuff that I think is pretty cool. It's like expected average and expected weighted on base average based on quality of contact. You know, it's, it's one thing to hit the ball really hard, but if you hit it into the ground right at Manny Machado, you know, it's not going to be a hit. So what we can do is based on the velocity, based on the angle, come up with the expected outcome of that and, and credit you, even if you happen to not get a hit because the outfielder made some ridiculous play and bubble that up over the course of a season to an overall average. So that's cool. That's out there. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of ideas for more stuff we want to put out there. I'm interested in doing uh, a leaderboard for uh, for poor contact and hard co and uh, solid contact, not just velocity, but velocity and angle. You know, to give you one example, Irvin Santana for the Twins is a 0.66 ERA right now. Obviously, that's not going to sustain. But the question is, is that about luck or is that about skill? And so far, it really looks like it's about he's just been that good because he is at the very top uh, of what is essentially inducing poor contact, which I think is super important. So right now you can get that on the site if you know how to do the query, uh, but we're working on making it a, a more easy leader, leaderboard just for people to have uh, access to at all times. Really cool. Uh, I'd like that. I have to put a disclaimer out that uh, that Blue Jays fan is actually a co-owner of BB, BB Toronto that you talked to last night on Twitter. <laughs> we, we didn't set that up. There's <laughs> no conspiracy. Um, uh, but I do appreciate you uh, being available on Twitter and answering questions. Uh, your Twitter handle for those who might be listening to this interview? Yeah, Mike underscore Petriello, P-E-T-R-I-E, 
LLO, feel free to, to hit me up with any questions. I mean, that's a, a big part of my job is interfacing with the public and, and trying to answer or explain uh, as much as we possibly can. So I, I certainly welcome any feedback, both uh, positive or negative, as long as it's uh, constructive in some way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, look for uh, Mike on Twitter. Uh, look for Darren Wilman on Twitter as well. Um, we do really appreciate your time joining us. I think we learned a lot about StatCast, and uh, this is my favorite kind of stuff about baseball. So thanks again for your time. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks a lot. And there you have it. A little bit about StatCast, past, present, future, even though it's only been around for a very short period of time. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't able to join you for that one, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And I, I, was, I was really interested, actually, the question you asked about the like the ones that didn't work. It's nice to know that they're really sort of paying attention to what people are interested in and not and trying to adjust it to that as opposed to, no, we want you to like this. Yeah, I think also addressed, um, you know, we don't want to take away your fun. If you think that was a cool and fun play, we're not going to crap all over what you think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the information's available if you want to go looking for it. <laughs> so it's almost like these people are baseball fans as well as statistics huh. uh heads as you will uh the other people who are baseball fans who i'm going to segue to are the people who ask us questions time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question then how does that sound sweetheart could you repeat the question please oh my god it worked properly well, I still have to play more noise later, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. All right. Do you have the opening question somewhere? Yeah. All right. So this one, this one came from Sask Blue Jays. Should Bautista still be hitting at the top of the order? These strikeouts are starting to really concern me. Uh, I uh, on a on a differently configured lineup i.e. one with all of the healthy people like Troy Tulowitzki and Josh Donaldson in it, I too would be concerned. Um, but what is his OBP? Do we know what his OBP actually is? I can find it. Yeah. I still feel like, yeah, probably batting second is sort of default right now, and I, I'm, I might consider moving him if there was a healthy lineup. But I'm not going to put Darwin Barney and Ryan Goins in front of Jose Bautista still. Because no, the, I mean, that's yeah. just kind of insane. Yeah. It's 296. Yeah. I was entering today. He's one for three, so it's actually gone a little higher. But, man, that's really, really bad. Yeah, especially for Jose, you know, 370, 380, 400 in his really good years. Yeah, that's abysmal, to say the least. I mean, it's still his typical 130 points above his batting average. The problem but... is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you may be uh, bending the statistics a little bit there to make it sound uh, better, but it's it's it, it's bad. You're right. Uh, next question. Oh wow, this pretty much cuts to it. Quinn says, uh, "Why can't we have nice things?" Quinn is also on the 10 day DL apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. And just to follow that up, Andrew Arnold, for the love of all that is good and right, why? <laughs> By the way, for that one, I love it. So he responded to the Turf Pod's Twitter. So, and I said, a new Turf Pod is recording tonight, or the Turf, the account said. Yeah. And he said, for the love of that all is good and right, why? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> We're kind of committed at this point to a weekly thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the only reason. Yeah, inertia, I think, is the right answer to that question. <laughs> oh it's group therapy uh yeah why can't we have nice things i don't know uh we keep putting them on the high shelf <laughs> yeah they keep breaking <laughs> that's why okay a related question to that lauren simmons uh at lauren dorfin super cool twitter name in my my opinion josh said we couldn't judge the high performance division on this season so far alone and that was last week you brought that up are there any indications it is working though no, um, my, my, <laughs> my basic point was actually, I mean, I did say exactly what she just said, but um, 
I had said that we last year the, the high performance department got all this praise because everyone stayed healthy well for the most part, and that you know that was incorrect as well. So it's like we shouldn't you know accredit it to last year and blame it for this year. This is a long term process, like really trying to totally revamp the system. It's not going to be instantaneous results. Right. But I guess, we, we, you know, somebody like Mike's son, the good doctor, would have to do a study about that. Teams with or without or players with or without access to some kind of advanced medical department. You you could probably yeah. figure that out over a number of years. Yeah. And I also I, I wonder, too, I mean, the, the nature of the injuries that the Blue Jays have. I mean, Donaldson strained his calf. A pinched nerve or whatever it is for Martin, you know, a broken fingernail for Aaron Sanchez, elbow soreness for Hap. I mean, these are all things that have a well, not the fingernail, but the other stuff, with stuff that builds up with wear and tear long before the department would even gotten involved, right? Right. So not yeah. young players. Well, this is this is the other the other thing. I I think you have to compare a player who's had access to that kind of you know, in, in theory, extra help or extra guidance for a long time because part of the high performance department's nutrition right mm -hmm. so how long have you been eating a proper diet does it really work after six months of changing your diet or did you did you do damage yeah prior to that because you didn't know what you were putting in your body um for me that's zero days <laughs> <laughs> um, the interesting thing just on this topic i bet they were livid when Team Canada kept Dalton Pompey in the game after he suffered his concussion sliding into second. Mm. Yeah. Like he clearly banged up his head and he was struggling and they let him play center field for the for I think it was two or three more innings before he finally came out. Yeah, because Team Canada was on the cusp of winning <laughs> <laughs> the <Aww>. whole thing. <laughs> oh okay, we got a couple questions from old friends. Dave Church asks, how does Jose Bautista field at all with the fork sticking out of his back? Oh, oh. He looks he looks done. I mean, it's okay, I'm not gonna say it's early, but <laughs> it's a smaller sample <laughs> and he could get better as the season goes, but when you consider last year, the trend is not good. No. He can throw again. Yeah. So we thought, hey, he's healthy. He could be good again. No. No. Uh, not, nothing's nothing's working. One home run end of the first week of May. And it uh yeah. that that says more than I could possibly. Ah oh, boy. Uh Ewan Ross at Mentok. Do you think Brett Laurie deserves a job? Not necessarily with the Jays, but he seems major league calendar caliber. Yes. He also seems insane. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean they're obviously the the baggage that comes with brett laurie but he's a useful major league player he's he can play second he can play third you can stick him in left and right i'm sure i mean i, I can't imagine it'd be hard for him to learn those and he's about a league average major league hitter i mean this team would kill for a league average major league hitter right now. Well, I'm thinking in terms of Chris Coughlin currently has landed himself a job doing what you just described. Did he not? Yes, he did. Would Brett Laurie be any worse than Chris Coughlin's been? Like, I mean, I could even, I could even imagine Brett Laurie doing what Chris Coughlin did over a catcher. <laughs> yeah, because he's crazy. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just on a backup role with some team, I, I'm, I heard he's hurt, or that was part of the reason that he wasn't playing at all or didn't sign on somewhere in spring training. I don't know exactly the details. It's not really been made public. But if he's healthy, I would. I'm very surprised that no team has picked him up. It, it doesn't look like he's working out for anybody. Like I, the every video I see of him is is him like doing something weird. Yeah. Uh, All right. Hey, we got, we, so we got a question that's similar to what I asked you before, actually. This is from Murphy Bruno. Would the current Jays roster, I assume he means the healthy one, beat the 1979 Jays in a 17-game series? The people actually playing right now. Um, 
I'm still going to hand it to this current roster because the pitching on this roster has to be way better than the the current 1979 Jays uh, than the 1979 Jays team ever was. Presence of Jim Clancy or whoever or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did say to you when you posted this earlier, when we read it earlier, that that it would be a low scoring affair. I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> a lot of a lot of two one games or something. Yeah. Well. All right, all right. We're going to get to the fun stuff. We're going to play a game. We're going to play, as I promised, Stump the Josh. Stump the Josh. No, it's Josh. Oh, that's a bad guy. You don't want to fool with him. (laughs) All right. So, the... (laughs) Is that the first time we've heard that one publicly? Yeah. Okay. Uh... So first, Connor Moore sent in a question. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty simple one. Which Blue Jay is one of only four players with both an Olympic gold medal and a World Series ring? When you combine them, you get your Wonder Twin powers to activate. Right. That's my idea. Okay, actually, I, I, don't need, I don't need a hint for this one. I um, know you would. This is not a current Blue Jay because there are no... Current World Series pick. winning? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, no, it's it's got to be a past one. Now there is the the trick answer would be Ed Sprague. <laughs> he's we had a conversation about this. He's going to be blown away when he hears this. But yes, the trick answer is Ed Sprague. <clears throat> but the baseball was not an official sport until like the early nineties. So, it was Borders. Yes, it was Pat Borders. Uh, do you know the fun the fun thing about Ed Sprague? Perhaps that you may or may not remember is he could go get a gold medal in his house, most likely. That's yeah, a legit gold medal. but it's not medal. an official Olympic gold medal. No, no, it's an official gold medal in his house. But it doesn't belong to him. You did forget right. this one. His wife oh, yeah, is, we had that from our conversation with him. Yeah, his wife is Christian Babsprague. She won a gold medal in Barcelona yes, for synchronized yes, yes. swimming. And then yes, there was a huge controversy. Yeah. So there's all your weird uh, uh, trivia. Now, there was one other bit. Did he give you the other three? No, he did not give me the other three dual winners. I bet I could get them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I won't. Bet I, could. I bet I could. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the other is from Colleen Evans. Now, Colleen Evans is a patron. So thank you again, Colleen, for your donation. And Colleen had the option to come on the show and ask you to stump the Josh personally or to play some other version of it. And she opted out, uh, but she did want her question read in an attempt to stump you. So this one is pretty obtuse. Uh, I had to think of a way uh-huh. to ask it <laughs> without giving it away. So okay. the the first question with no hints is this. Can you tell me the thing that unusual thing that Kendris Morales and Chris Coughlin, both new Blue Jays, have in common that, to my knowledge, they have in common with no other players on the roster. No. (laughs) No, I cannot. So, clue number one. Okay. It happened on a baseball field, but it would not show up in the box score. baseball field but would not show up in the box score all right i need the second one all right now this is like hint 1.5 we have talked about it happening to kendris morales oh okay that that might be too easy all right people that have been injured on a walk-off home run close very close they were both injured on a walk-off celebration. That's what... Oh, okay. Right, right, right. So, Kendris Morales, <laughs> um, obviously, we talked about that. He jumped on home plate after hitting a walk-off Grand Slam, broke his ankle, and was out all of 2011. Chris I Coughlin, remember it happening to Coglin too, now that you mention it. Do you remember what happened? Oh, it was it. When, when we were ranking baseball injuries, we really should have brought this one up if you remembered it. Yeah, he... um. Oh jeez, I'm trying to remember. Was it? I remember this happening. Like I remember, like like it was a big deal too, because like he, he was like it, it was like a shaving cream or something like that, like when his eye or something like that. 
he he was the one with the shaving cream pie. He was Oh, and yeah, he was trying to chase the guy down and he fell. And he tore his meniscus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I knew he was so so bad. Um he missed the rest of 2011, same year, and 2011 he was still dealing with knee injuries and uh sore shoulder. So both of them ruined the end of the 2010 season and pretty much all of their 2011 by celebrating a walk-off. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't really get that. You kind of really put that on a tee with that second clue. Well, so my, my true second clue, and I don't know if this would have helped or not, was, was it's odd enough thing to have happened that they might have discussed it, but it's not something either of them would be proud of. But I didn't know if that was too <laughs> obtuse. <laughs> uh yeah it was man. a tough one to give it was a really cool bit of trivia absolutely uh colleen yeah. thank you very much i love that question um but yeah i have no idea how to how to ask that in a three-parter and not give it away <laughs> yeah how did how did we forget that coglin one because that was so crazy i until she read it i went and i looked it back up to find out it was wes helms who was the uh guy who i believe hit the walk-off single that he was trying to chase down so blame blame wes as it were <laughs> you were too good wes <laughs> you're too evasive <laughs> trying to avoid the shaving cream and the eye injury himself oh right. well well that was a uh certainly a rousing round of stump the josh you too can submit your questions but it's best if you submit them directly to me at Coolhead2010 via DM, or if you prefer, um, at Coolhead2011 at gmail.com. Um, I'm sure we can put my email address so Josh can't cheat and read the questions. <laughs> um, yeah, but if, if they send them to the to the artificial turf wars at baseballperspectives.com, I won't read those either because I never read that email. As long as you put in the subject line, stomp the stump the Josh. I think that'll be fine. He's an honest fellow. Yeah, although very good at trivia. Uh, uh, also a friendly reminder, we mentioned a patron, Colleen, uh, we do have a Patreon at www.turfpod slash, yeah, www.patreon slash turfpod. We'll get that right. Uh, please drop on by. You can help us improve the podcast, uh, and you can also do fun things like come on and play a game with us for a certain donation level. Uh, check it out. We come That's now twice to- now. People have come on. Well... Okay, so Colleen chose not to come on, but she is one of the patrons that could have, that they have done things and they have have earned the bragging rights. You too can do that. Exactly. Sounds like fun already. I gotta ask you for a final thought. Well, I mean, my, basically my final thought is that I don't know how to watch this team at times. I mean, <laughs> but Aaron Sanchez, they're reporting that he should be back this time. And that will be so, so much better because I really enjoy watching him pitch and it's come to that point until they start winning that i just i'm enjoying watching the players as opposed to the team uh yeah it's really early to do that but i'm kind of with you you know well uh, i'm not saying that that's it for the season i'm just saying right now until they start actually winning games i'm that's the way i'm finding i can the only way i can enjoy the games ah That's a sad thought to end on. Do I have a happier thought? Um, Oh, former Blue Jay Eric Thames. Thames? Thames. Thames. I've never been to the Thames River. I live in a town with the Thames River in it. It's very hard for me. I'm sorry. But he had another home run. He's still at it. He is... uh, I I like Phenomena. He is a Phenomena. So congratulations to him for continuing his success despite them removing all of his bodily fluids in an attempt to find some sort of illicit substances. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And our guest this week was Mike Petriello of MLB.com. We appreciate him joining us. And this was Artificial Turf Wars number 56. And we'll talk to you again next week.